Hello again. I'm Fidelity, and welcome to the first proper episode of the history of colonization. Today, we're going to start in the 15th century. We're looking at the supposed age of quote unquote discovery. Now, you can't discover something that's already there, but it's rather helpful framing for the European explorer who wants to convince his king that they're about to find some sort of hidden gem useful to the expansion of the empire. The age of exploration is another commonly used term, but it kind of glosses over how these European explorers were not really exploring for the sake of adventure. Their mission was the pursuit of economic exploitation. The story of colonization starts at a port on the coast of Morocco in the summer of 1415. Because it was on this northern tip of Morocco, just across the south of Spain, where European colonialism began. This North African port was named Ceuta, C-E-U-T-A, a central port then prized for its location along the Straits of Gibraltar. To give you a picture of how it was like in Ceuta, here I quote from a description taken from Bailey Diffie and George Winnes' book, Foundations of the Portuguese Empire, 1415-1580. A very good book if you're interested in this period of time and region. Quote, Ceuta was described as inhabited by, for the most part, merchants, officials, and mariners. Palaces were in fact fortified walls and towers outside the city. Between the palaces and the city, there were large gardens and orchards with many trees. Ceuta was the flower of all other cities of Africa, with people who came from Ethiopia, Alexandria, Syria, Barbary, Assyria, as well as those from the Orient who lived on the other side of the Euphrates River, and from the Indies, and from many other lands that are beyond the axis and that lie before our eyes. It cannot be denied that the city of Ceuta is the key of the whole Mediterranean Sea. Unquote. It was this cosmopolitan city that King George I of Portugal and his soldiers invaded and successfully conquered from the Moors, whose descendants in the modern day are Arabs and Berbers. And Portugal did this for the usual reasons that states at the time did. They wanted increased opportunities for trade for their merchants, more lands and lordships from nobles, etc. Portugal was also on an economic decline at the time, and so the shortage of grain and money led its ruler to look outwards to foreign lands. Now, there was not much difference between this and invasions of the past few centuries, except that the Portuguese were able to rule Suta until 1580, which was the first time any European state had held onto power in another continent for a sustained amount of time since the Roman Empire. And it was exceptional, because the centre of power was not in Ceuta itself, but from Lisbon, the capital of Portugal. The colonisation of Ceuta was no easy feat, though. In fact, there were debates in the Portuguese court on whether to continue occupying Ceuta or to abandon it after the success of the invasion. For the cost of holding on to Ceuta in the face of attempts from the Moors to reclaim it was judged by some as too large. And that was eventually proven true, for the continued invasions prevented Ceuta from becoming the trading centre that the Portuguese had envisioned, resulting in the Portuguese seeking more conquests while still holding on to Ceuta. 
But it is with this victory, and the subsequent long-sustained rule in Suta, that showed it was possible to rule over a foreign land and its people from a European capital. And the most important lesson from that was the importance of ships. Whoever had control over the oceans would be able to control the coastal areas, ports, and surrounding land. The development of ships, known as the caravel, which were light and easily controlled, allowed Portuguese soldiers to travel rapidly to Suta and monitor the colony. This opened up the possibility of conquering land as far as the ship could go. Before we move on from Suta, you might be interested to know that Suta still remains a colony today. In 1580, the Portuguese ceded Suta to the Spanish under the Treaty of Lisbon due to the Iberian Union. And it has remained under Spanish control until the modern day. That's right, the first site to be subjected to European colonization is still under colonial rule. Colonization is alive and well, my friends. Now, King John I, who ordered the invasion of Suta, was encouraged by his sons. One of those sons was named Prince Henry the Navigator. Henry is known for being the architect of the so-called Age of Discovery, because he pushed for colonial expansion in order to get better trade to benefit the Portuguese. Most importantly, he is also known for his supposed contributions to maritime exploration as someone well-versed in geography, mathematics, and introducing new methods of navigation. However, his contemporaries do not mention this. He was only described as such an intellect after his death which cast some doubt on these claims of him being an intellect specialising in different disciplines. But what is for certain is that he was not alone in his endeavour. He had the political power and funding to push for explorations, and it was through sponsoring those who had the means and the technical skills to develop a deeper understanding of maritime navigation and exploration that paved the way for future exploration. He was instrumental in ordering the Portuguese colonization of coastal Africa, and I'll cover a brief timeline of this soon after the break. After Suta, the Portuguese sailed along the western African coast to conquer more land and people. The uninhabited Atlantic islands of Madeira, Porto Santo, and the Azores were colonized from the 1420s onwards. These settlements were not very successful, similar to Suta, for the Portuguese hadn't quite figured out how to properly sustain the colony. There is some foreshadowing of the European ecological destruction in their future colonies. As one explorer describes of Madeira, quote, When first discovered, there was not a foot of ground that was not entirely covered with great trees. It was therefore first of all necessary to set fire to them, and for a long while this fire swept fiercely over the island. So great was the first conflagration that whoever who was then on the island was forced, with all the men, women, and children, to flee its fury and to take refuge in the sea, unquote. From around 1441 onwards, the Portuguese carried out slave raids along the western coast, killing those who resisted and capturing others. 
When they reached the shores of Lagos, current-day Nigeria, they were described by a Portuguese witness in August 1444. Quote, Their condition was piteous. They were groaning and crying out. We could not understand their words, but the sound was in keeping with their grief. The greatest suffering came when they were separated from one another. Fathers from sons, husbands from wives, brothers from brothers. Mothers clung to their children and wept with little pity. Crowds of people had gathered only to see this novelty. Prince Henry was there, astride a powerful horse. He received 46 souls as his portion, which he distributed among his subjects. Some of the captives sold as slaves. Families were divided and sent to different places. The father in Lagos, the mother in Lisbon, the children to some other place. Unquote. Yeah, it was pretty horrific. But not all these slaving raids were successful, and not all natives were taken. Some natives, for instance, managed to resist Portuguese invaders by killing them with poison arrows or just swimming away really quickly. Most of these slaving raids succeeded, however, and by 1448, around 927 slaves were taken into Portuguese captivity. In 1456, Portuguese explorers reached Cape Verde Islands. Cape Verde is currently an island country off the western African coast, and it consists of 12 islands. And in 1462, the Portuguese established the first European settlement colony ever in tropical regions on its main island. It was also previously uninhabited, but with the Portuguese settlement, they brought back slaves from previous slave raids and engaged in the slave trade along the Guinea coast. This was considerably more successful as a settlement than their previous attempts in establishing colonies. The import of slaves resulted in a population that was largely comprised of black slaves, and the economy was sustained through growing cotton and sugar and rearing cattle for trading with local merchants on the African coast. These islands proved to be a remarkably excellent trading base, the quick journey between the islands and the West African coast, compared to, say, sailing from Portugal to the coast for weeks on end, proved much more advantageous for the settlers. So the early Portuguese colonization of islands isn't quite as well known as that in the Americas. But these islands were important as the first clumsy experimentations with European colonization. They learned that taking foreign land through violence against natives with all its blood and time at sea was profitable. The capture and killing of natives along the coast foreshadowed what the Portuguese and Spanish would eventually do in Americas, and in the next few episodes would travel from Africa across the Atlantic Ocean to the Americas. Until then, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I've included a link for sources I've used for this episode and you can refer to the description for that. So please follow and share this with your friends too. Thank you so much again, and goodbye!